today, um, we're going to pick up on part three of equipping generations. To catch us all up to speed, we've been working through some of the 12 core values of our fellowship, and we started last May, and so we're on number 11, and then we're going to finish next month. We're going to kick off next week with the 12th core value. As a matter of fact, that's, you, you, you don't want to miss that. Uh, Mike Tarrant's going to be kicking us off next week with our last value, and he's going to kick off the series for the month of April. And some of you are familiar with Mike, and uh, Mike and Vanjie, we just so much appreciate their ministry and the long-term relationship that we've had together, too, over decades. Um, <clears throat> three decades together of serving together here in the house. But today, we're, I want to just share a few more thoughts on this uh, along the line of equipping generations. Now, I think this is relevant because we are all of one generation, and we live in a world where there's multiple generations and where there's all of this interactiveness, at least as there should be, and, uh, and in fact, in reality, there is. So equipping generations by teaching, mentoring, imparting, and learning from all generations. I want us to underscore that, learning. Everybody say learning. That's going to be my focal point this morning. Learning from all generations to discover God-given callings, assignments, and gifts that we may impact others in various spheres of influence. Benji introduced us to this value a few weeks ago and did a powerful message just giving an overview of it. By the way, if you missed Benji's message, get on, on online and, and listen to that message. It was absolutely dynamic. And last week I picked up on it, shared a little bit with you about the heart and the significance specifically in the area of teaching, mentoring, and impartation. And uh, <clears throat> today, I want to focus on uh, what it means to be uh, to learner. Because as each one of us become proactive learners, we are then better prepared to actually be a part of the life flow of heaven into other people, as well as to be recipients of that flow of life and wisdom from God himself through Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit. I came up with a little definition here that I wrote a few days ago, and this is not intended to be the wherewithal as to a definition of proactive learn, uh, being a proactive learner. Um, <clears throat> but it just in drawing from several resources and just kind of getting a few hints and tips here and there and just out of my own experience and observations, I put down keeping an open mind, suspending judgment of others, questioning my personal assumptions, and seeking out information of differing perspectives, and studying and practicing and contemplating matters with humility. Proactive learning. I want to talk a bit about an open mind. It's possible that someone could feel like to have an open mind implies that one may be somewhat unstable and not really have strength of spirit and personal convictions. But I think nothing could be further from the truth. The more secure that we are in who we are, knowing Christ who loves all people, the more secure we are, the more courageous we are to have an open mind to be able to learn 
The more insecure we are, we get all skittish and nervous when we hear things that don't align with what we understand. And the fact is we're all in process of growing, aren't we? We're all at different stages in our spiritual growth, mental, emotional growth. And that's, that's beautiful, actually, that we're all in different places. We can grow and we can learn from one another and through one another. But I believe that to be a proactive learner requires some intentionality on our parts. Because I don't think it just automatically happens. I, I would say that you can be, have a passive attitude and you're going to pick up good things along the way. I sincerely believe, though, that God calls us to be proactive, to be intentional about saying, I'm going to become a bigger person, bigger in a healthy sense, in the context of knowing that we're created loved ones of God. I want to be expanded mentally, emotionally, spiritually. By the way, those all work together. He gave us a mind where to use our minds. We should be constantly, all the days of our life, working to expand our minds. I shared just a bit last week about how the reality is that we're, we, we need to keep our actual physical brain healthy. And one of the ways that we keep our brain healthy is by introducing our brains to new areas of thought and understanding. So it continually is forced to kind of create neural pathways and develop it. It keeps the brain very much alive and healthy. If we just sit and rest on what we've always understood and what we've always known, guess what? That kind of passivity will not release a fresh flow of life from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we actually limit ourselves in our own experience of life. He wants us to have life and life more abundantly. And that's God's desire for every one of us. And it does not matter what age we are, we can always keep growing. And I believe he wants us to do that with real intentionality. intentionality. And so <clears throat> keeping an open mind reminds me of the scripture in Romans chapter 12. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what the reasonable, acceptable will of God is. Be transformed. How does transformation come? Now, you experience different, there's different aspects of transformation. I've had some inner transformation taking place as I was like immobilized by the Holy Spirit on the floor for hours at a time while Holy Spirit was moving through my heart and through my mind. And it felt like there was this divine rearranging of my whole thought process. And I actually got off the floor after several hours one time like a very different person because I was, it was another step in this transforming work. And so God sometimes works through that means, just personal encounters along the way. And it's beautiful, and we should anticipate those. But I think a part of it, though, is, according to Scripture, is by the renewing of our minds of where we intentionally say, I don't want to be the same person at the end of this year that I am today. So I'm going to open my heart and open my mind with humility. I'm going to be courageous. And I would like to hear thought as it, re thoughts as it relates to spiritual matters, scriptural matters. They're outside of my present understanding. Now here's the thing. If at the end of 2022, 
come December 31st and that you believe 100% the same things in the same manner as you do today, it will be a pity because it means you have not grown this year. And wouldn't that be sad? I mean, you could still be a great person, love Jesus, and everybody goes, wow, she's the nicest gal in the world. But how sad that if you don't grow in 2022. So passively, you can just kind of like, well, okay, here's another day. Go about our duties, do this, do that, do our routines. Oh, got a crisis, crisis now, so we pray and we call friends and all that. All those are good, right things. Boy, I want to wake up. I want to be the person that wakes up every morning and say, this is an opportunity to grow today. Because I want to interact with God. I want to, I want to come before him. I want to come to the scriptures and say, God, I want to grow beyond my present level of understanding. To not have that attitude is at best lazy, at worst perhaps a pride and I don't know if anybody would say this. I have really nothing I can be expanded in. But I do think that sometimes we can even come to scriptures to simply look for verses to reinforce what we already understand. It makes us feel secure, more powerful. And that's not entirely wrong either because God can put you on a track and gives you a center of understanding of who he is and you read the scriptures and wow, that gets enhanced and it's beautified, it unfolds like a summer rose and you go, wow, this is beautiful. But I don't want to just go to scripture just looking for that which will reinforce what I presently know because here's what I do know. What I know is only very, 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 very little. You can memorize the entire Bible and not even know God in a personal way. That's possible. The Pharisees knew the scriptures, did they not? The scribes and the Pharisees, they could quote Bible verses. They could quote scriptures inside and out. And yet, Christ was in the midst, and they were in absolute darkness. So just learning more scripture and reinforcing those things that are really important to you in and of themselves does not automatically mean that you're growing. So I think the Lord really calls us to more intentionally every day to come and say, God, here's my heart. I want to grow today. You know, sometimes in life we look for, we, we have a certain sense of security in certainty. When we figure some things out, it makes us feel safe and feel secure, and there's some beauty in that. But we can also stay just in that safe zone and never venture out far beyond. And you can take that in any topic or arena of life, and you can get locked in to your present level of understanding and knowledge and spirituality and not move beyond it. You will find that in, in, even in business, successful businesses are not developed by just simply the same, rehearsing the same thinking month after month and year after year. Successful businesses are constantly being stretched. They're learners. They're saying, what can we learn about this? And it comes to a crisis, it's like, okay, well, how can we grow through this? How can we grow in wisdom and knowledge? 
And that is the makings of a successful business. I've seen people at times in area of business, and it's just kind of like repeat the same thing again and again and again. But as culture society develops and life moves along, it won't work on the long haul. We have to be adaptive along the way. It's true spiritually as well. It's true relationally. And sometimes I've seen this in relationships, and some of us can relate with this. You can be in a marriage relationship, and the early days can be so beautiful. So much connection. The problem being is, if that relationship is, uh, the individuals involved are not acutely aware of change along the way and the need for them to change, they're going to wind up in a relational crisis because change is happening all around us. They have children in the family. They're constantly changing every day. We all know that as parents, right? How many of you ever had your kids figured out for just one day? Hardly not. But let's say there was one day you're kind of like, we got this. Everybody's just flowing well. The family's flowing so well. And the next day, Johnny all of a sudden takes a turn. He's growing. He's discovering who he is. And then sometimes you say, Johnny's a problem here. No, Johnny isn't the problem per se. The challenge is, is for parents to adapt, to be stretched, to grow, and to change. Healthy families don't just happen. It happens by moms and dads who are growing together in their relationship with the Lord, who are growing together with each other, who are being very intentional about looking for the cues and the signs along the way. Honestly, it can be exhausting. Do I have an amen? Life can be exhausting. Just about the time you get in that supposed sweet spot, something happens. And sometimes there's different kinds of crises that break our hearts and such. And it can leave us somewhat paralyzed. And that's understandable, you know, when crises happen, particularly something tragic. And we're, we're somewhat paralyzed for a while, and it's like we're, we're bewildered. We can be confused for a while. And you know what? God does not in any way kind of stiff arm us in that, he, but rather he pulls us closer. And that's when we come pull together as family members and friends to work through those moments of crisis. And then as healing begins to take place and such, and then we can begin to once again find the courage to step out and to allow for the grace of God to bring us to new kinds of level of understanding and growth. Let me just share a few more thoughts with us here. Sometimes we want to get locked onto this thing of certainty as it relates to spirituality now. I'm going to talk specifically about the Christian walk here. And sometimes we think to be truly spiritual and mature, we need to know our facts concerning Scripture, concerning spiritually where we're at and what, how God works in our lives. And uh, <clears throat> sometimes it's at least tempting, and I think it varies by personality and background and upbringing. But people actually are taught this in some circles, in some settings, and families and such, take a position. Know what you believe and take a position. Pick your side. Either or mentality. Us versus them, right versus wrong. I have 
come to believe because I have done that myself multiple times in years gone by and I've seen how destructive that can be and I've observed it as well hundreds maybe thousands of times over there seems to be a tendency for us to do that and sometimes it's the worst in spiritual Christian communities and it begins with good intentions. Know what you believe and stick to it. How many of you know, sometimes the God of breakthrough wants to break us out of our religious mindsets. Things are not necessarily wrong, but they become religious when we just feel like, I've got to, here's where I'm at, I've got to hold my ground. And get your favorite Bible verses to prove yourself right. Why do you think there's so much division throughout Christ's church around the world? Because that's how humankind has responded down through the ages. People feel like they got to be right, that they're more right than someone else. And so now you have this gathering of this brand. We believe closer to the Bible than another, and somebody else, oh, no, no, they're off over here. we got to stick here, and somebody over here. And it's been repeated thousands of times over. So we have thousands of denominations around the world, each claiming to be more perfectly on track with God than the rest because they know the scriptures better. I want to say there's got to be a better way. There is a better way to live. There is a better way to live. And the only way that we can live and to work through those things successfully as we begin here. Our ultimate authority is Jesus Christ. It's actually not the Bible, by the way. If you put the Bible as the ultimate authority, we've diminished the supremacy of Christ himself, who, of course, is revealed in Scripture. The Bible is not our ultimate authority. Christ and Christ alone is our ultimate authority. I love the scriptures because they point us to Christ. But sometimes in our search for Christ and in scriptures and such, we get on certain tracks of certain lines of thought and thinking and such. And, and, and then we can get in a muddle because it's different than maybe how someone else understands the scriptures. Wow, this is honestly a challenge at times. It really, really is a challenge for all of us. But there's a term that's known in Christian circles as dualism. Dualism is this to take a position, defend yourself against anything that you understand to be different from your perspective of which you believe is truth. And you know what I've discovered? You know what I've discovered in me? I've look, I can look back in years and actually I'm embarrassed at the mindset and attitude that I've had in, in years gone by. But it's dualism because ultimately it's about ego and pride. There's something that makes us feel kind of powerful if we think that we're the ones that have the truth and now we critique other people. Y'all acting like you've never heard of this before. <laughs> Some of you go back far enough to, saw, to see it in me. You saw it in me, you know. 
And you know, when that happens, it means that humility of heart is taken the back seat and ego is at the wheel. That need to be right. If I declare myself right, then I've declared you wrong. Because no two of us are going to think and understand God himself exactly the same, or scripture, or any topic. Can you imagine our world if we all had, and we're in process, of learning and taking on the spirit of Christ? Do you notice the contrast in scriptures between Christ and the scribes and Pharisees? The scribes and Pharisees knew the scriptures inside and out, had memorized all Old Testament scriptures. And again and again, they were confronting Christ, Jesus, creator of the universe, and they didn't realize who he was. But because coming forth from him was something that sounded different. And rather than have humility of heart, they had the audacity to actually rebuke Christ, the creator of the universe and savior of the world, in their ignorance. Not because they're bad people. I imagine the Pharisees were probably some of the nicest guys and uh, people in town and had beautiful families. I just imagine that. They're not like weirdo people, but they were men who knew their scriptures and had deep convictions. They felt it was their responsibility to critique and to measure others according to their understanding. Turns out that they missed the boat again and again and again. Because they missed the spirit of what Christ was doing. And they got hung up on the letter of the law. There was a guy by the name of Saul. He says that he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. And he knew the scriptures like few others in his day. So you have the birth of the new church, Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And these people who begin to follow after Christ, they were first known as the way eventually begin to call them Christians or being, you know, Christ followers or Christ-like. In the name of conforming to Scripture, he went out looking to have Christians rounded up, persecuted, and killed. Quoting Scripture the whole time. Because somewhere in the depths of his soul that was an utter darkness, yet he knew the scriptures, all of the Old Testament scriptures. He thought he was doing God a service by critiquing and trying to get others to conform to his understanding. I imagine Saul, who we know as the Apostle Paul, was probably absolutely a super nice guy. You'd met him in the market, you'd probably go, wow, what an amazing guy. I just somehow know that he was a, probably a, a great guy. 
But in the name of sticking with the convictions of his heart, he critiqued everybody else. And when he didn't understand, he set himself as the standard based on his understanding and had many people persecuted and Christians who simply loved Jesus, who didn't know the scriptures in some cases, had him killed. By the grace of God, one day, he encounters this blinding light as he's on the road to Damascus to persecute more Christians. He encounters God. Why the blinding light? It simply illustrates that he knew the Bible inside and out as the Old Testament, and yet he was in utter darkness. He was not walking in the revelation of Christ, the Messiah. Even after Christ had gone to the cross and was resurrected, a good man, but he elevated himself to being the standard by which he would judge all other people. He himself had this encounter with God. And it was where the, he, he says in just later in one of his epistles, he says, Christ was revealed in me. The reality is that all of that while Paul is being a created loved one of Christ Jesus, Christ was in him, he was in Christ by virtue of being created him, but he did not have relationship with Christ, even though he had memorized and could quote much of the Old Testament scriptures. But he did not have relationship. But he was a zealot. He had to make sure people's lives were cleaned up. I'm just so, I'm just so glad for this encounter that this loving Christ loved Paul so much that he wanted him he wanted the darkness of his soul to be penetrated by the light of glory within. And that's why Paul says, Christ was revealed in me. Light all of a sudden begin to encounter or, or cause the darkness to be dispersed. And Paul's like, oh my goodness, my Lord. So many lessons we can learn from scripture. And that is my heart today and for my own life to say, God, I want to have an open heart. I want a renewed mind. And to help me, Lord, to stay on track of growth with you, I need to have a heart and an ear to hear how others see life, see matters related to Scripture, etc. Now, of course, you, you, God's not calling any one of us to try to say, okay, I'm going to agree with this, agree with that, agree with this, and all that. I mean, you can't do that. But you want to have an open heart and mind so as to understand, at a minimum, to understand. How many of you ever felt really frustrated when there was something that you were really passionate about, and whether you were right or wrong before God on it, you wanted to be heard and understood? And you went away so frustrated because you felt like that somebody sat there and listened and gave you a few moments of their time, but in the final analysis, you knew you were not understood. Anybody ever experienced that? Totally. And honestly, sometimes we can't totally understand in the moment. What I like to do is share with somebody, and I'm like, I'm hearing you. I'm trying to understand. And at the moment, I'm having a hard time understanding, but I respect your perspective 
I want to take and I want to consider these things. I want to, I want to weigh them out because you may be speaking of a truth here that I, I just don't get yet. Those kinds of responses, I think, are so healthy. How many of you know that it helps to build a, a good marriage with those kind of responses, right? And it, it helps, too, in, in, in parenting. One of the most common things back in the days when I worked with teenagers was like, <clears throat> my mom and dad don't understand. And quite honestly, in many cases of situations, parents didn't even try to understand because the parent had already pre-concluded that they were right, the child was wrong, and the child's job was simply to conform to their ideals. How many of you know that's not a good approach to parenting? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, hey, Johnny, we take out the trash, please. But mom, we need to have a discussion about this. Come on, just take out the trash. <laughs> But there are a whole lot of other things that wears parents. And here's the challenge sometimes. It takes intentionality. You've got to take time to sit down. We've got to do that in our marriages. We've got to do that in our family relationships. We've got to do this as brothers and sisters. We need to do this with people in the context of work and career. Sit down and seek to understand. We can never go wrong, uh, go wrong in that. We can only but grow wiser. If you look for people to agree with your perspective and only try to fortify what you already know and understand, it may make you feel more powerful in the moment. It may make you feel like you're now better able to defend your position. I'm just saying that's a sign of deep insecurity. And it's not a healthy place where you want to stay ever. Never want to stay there. Well, I want to wrap this up here this morning. I believe that the Lord calls us to be active learners. A learner wants to open the heart. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof is stupid. That's not even my paraphrase. New American Standard. A learner actually welcomes correction. A wise person doesn't wait to have to be confronted to experience correction, but a wise person openly welcomes correction welcomes input at least to try to better understand others and keeps that open heart, that open mind. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, this is now the apostle Paul who had been humbled greatly and who's now whose heart had trans, was transformed. He said, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So here's Paul, who was formerly this religious Pharisee. And uh, he went around kept critiquing and casting judgment on others. And uh, 
he, he soon learned that he did not really have the spirit of Christ at work within him. Let me talk about a couple little things real quickly. Um, some experts in the field of psychology say that the mind learns things in comparison to something else. It's, it's kind of how we learn. And uh, <clears throat> for example, with, with children, um, you can have two objects. This is short. This one is tall. And so by comparison or by contrast, they begin to learn, right? You have narrow versus wide. So it's a part of the way that we actually learn, at least within our Western world anyhow. Sad versus happy. And then we get along the lines of morals and such, and, and it's, not, it's, it's not wrong to do this, but we go right versus wrong, good versus bad, but now it starts getting sticky in some of these areas because some of the things that we say good may not be perceived by, as good as somebody else. Then we have true versus false. So we tend to learn, but from an early age, what we have learned is we have the categories, good, bad, right, wrong, true, false. You say, so what does this have to do in a practical application? So when you meet somebody for the first time, you can't help but notice. You notice their physical stature, hair color, skin tone. You notice their mannerisms. You notice if they wear skinny jeans or skirt. You notice if they're wearing red or all in black. We notice these things, right? That's not bad. However, when the person begins to talk and share a bit about their lives, what we look for is the alignment with life experience so as to understand that's not bad. But down the road sometimes, and now we start noticing the differences. When somebody may have a very different perspective spiritually than I have. Now, what are we going to do? When somebody carries maybe a very different political perspective than I do. And on and on. And the danger is we can begin to categorize and label. And connected with labeling and categorizing, so easy, moves right into judgment. The comparisons, the differences. And I'm reminded of what Jesus said and what Paul said and caught about Jesus because Apostle Paul was the chief of sinners, as he said concerning himself, the chief of sinners in how he categorized people and then brought judgment against those who did not, he did not understand it, who did not agree with him. And it turned out to be very destructive in his life. So it's the Apostle Paul that says, it's always been this way, but as those who call themselves Christians, there is no Jew nor Greek. Quit categorizing, bond nor free, male nor female. Because of Christ, 
is the great equalizer. So he calls us to, and we wrap this up, but he calls us to recognize this. Christ has created all, all things, all people. And <clears throat> by him, all things are held together. By him, all things consist. And the Apostle Paul, with that revelation on the road to Damascus, he's later on Mars Hill reminding people, that every single person lives and moves and has their being in Christ Jesus, whether they have an active relationship with Christ or not, they have a connection with Christ Jesus. And when we catch the revelation of that, and we see the beauty of the differences and the distinctions, and no longer kind of hold up and to fortify your position to be right, because that means then, Others are wrong, and that always brings division. It breaks friendships. It brings division. It causes a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. Differences are okay. We're talking about the attitude of being a learner, and just maybe we might change in the process for the better if we keep our heart open and our attitudes right. This is what we need in our world so much today. We see it being done the wrong way of all people. And so Christ Jesus says, those of you who have participated in salvation, those of you, I want to bring you to a place of maturity where you can see the beauty of my heart and hand in all people. And rather draw your lines of distinction for the purpose of being right and somebody else wrong and bringing judgment upon them. Why don't you look at the other person and just see possibly how Christ may be working in them. Yes, including people of all religions. Let's stand together. Go ahead and poke your neighbor and say, that one was for you. Just kidding. for me why can I talk so freely about these things <laughs> ah I wrestle with these things like everybody else does by the grace of God though I never want to get snared I've been snared before it's not a good thing so God Thank you for your loving mercy upon us. <laughs> Thank you that you don't get angry with us. You just see us as your kids. We're in process. We're learning how to grow, how to live Christ-like. So forgive us, Lord, for judgments that we may have right now in our heart towards another person, maybe a family member, a relative, a co-worker, a brother, a sister in Christ, because we positioned ourselves to think we're right and they're wrong. I ask you to forgive us, Lord. Well, you actually already have at the cross, but we just say we receive your forgiveness for that. And there's no condemnation to us. You love us. You're smiling on us, but you're inviting us to a journey of growing up. So thank you for helping us in this process. That's our prayer. That's our longing. We should continually grow in the grace and knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ. So we bless you today. And I bless all of my brothers and sisters here bless their families. We bless every city represented here, every community represented in this room, this community 
right here in our town here where we live. May the blessing of the Lord be upon all people. May the blessed hand of the Lord move across this country upon all people. Changing hearts, bringing our hearts into alignment with you. Move upon the peoples of the earth and the nations and the leaders of nations that are have a, at war, Lord, and, uh, and, and where there's oppression and such. Let it be broken in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray for Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Pray that his hand would come, the hand of authority, and settle matters in all places upon the globe. This day we pray in Christ's name. Amen.